Hello and welcome to the Vote Her podcast. Because when you vote, great things can happen. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, broadcaster, talent booker, political enthusiast, and trying to figure out what I'm going to go for as when it's for Halloween. I don't know. I've been thinking about this. Yeah, last year uh, I went as an avocado. <laughs> it was pretty fun. And I'm Senator Jen Jordan, and uh, we're just happy to be here. Avocado, really? Yeah, it was awesome. So not not guacamole, just uh, <laughs> just a straight up avocado. Were you straight were you, up? Were you straight ripe up. or soft? <laughs> Probably depending on whoever came across me, one way or the other. I love it. I love it. I was thinking of going as Elizabeth Holmes uh, from Theranos. That's I bet I feel like that's going to be a very popular costume this year. Well, you'd have to get the blonde wig right. and then, you know, wear the black turtleneck. That's what she always Easy. wore. Easy. You could just do <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, I'm just, just going to pull my hair back and maybe I'll, you know, pretend I'm pregnant and whatever. Then, and then just talk like this. <laughs> so a lot going on besides your birthday. We all celebrated your birthday, which was a lot of fun. I am not like it's saying anything out of school because I did get your fundraising email reminding everybody that it was your birthday. Right. Right. I love it. It's like, happy birthday, Jen. We need Jen Jordan for attorney general. <laughs> Give that for that. It's great. I love the creativity in your emails. They're excellent. Yeah. You know, the emails <laughs> are kind of this necessary thing. And um, whenever anybody says that they get my emails, I apologize. Because uh, oh, oh, I like there's it. a lot of them. Well, what's funny is is that I get regular emails from you. And so I, it confuses me sometimes when an alert comes up. It's like, Mara, we need you. <laughs> and I'm like, Jen, what's going on? Okay, so let's talk about some things in the news in Georgia politics. A big story is, this is really interesting how all this, um, the GBI came out and said they don't have enough information to pursue ballot fraud claim. And what came out in this AJC article, which was really interesting about how they're able to track uh, your GPS when you go to vote. What did you think of this? I thought it was just friggin' crazy. I'm not going to, you know, the, the whole idea that you've got the Georgia Republican Party saying they've got tracking information on voters that somehow proved that they were doing something called ballot harvesting. And let's kind of back up and talk about what that is, because in some states it's legal. In Georgia, it is not. And all it is, is let's say you were in your office and you said, OK, I'm about to go and drop my ballot off. Does anybody else have one that they want me to drop off for them? OK. And so the whole idea is that you are taking other people's ballots okay. and then depositing them into these drop boxes, right? Okay. That is, that's ballot harvesting. And so what a lot of conservative groups, you know, they try to say, oh, there's something nefarious about this. People are going out and getting folks to vote, you know, and then grabbing the absentee ballot so that then they can deposit it. There's, you know, in terms of any of that, with respect to Georgia, there has not been... Um, a legitimate claim, and specifically in terms of this cell phone data, which is really unreliable anyway, the whole idea that, you know, you're going to say, well, somebody went a couple of times in the vicinity of a drop box, you have to remember where the drop boxes are. 
They're at libraries. They're at City Hall. They're at all of these public open spaces that people go to all the time, repeatedly. So it's not like you just have a ballot drop box in the middle of a field, right? That the only reason you would go there is to drop off a ballot. So the premise was silly anyway. And then you you put on the layer of them having this private information and tracking private citizens in this state. I mean, that's when it gets to be kind of scary. That is, I'm so glad you brought that up because I I was like tracking. And you're right. Where I dropped off my ballot is at the public library on Ponce. I go to Publix over there. I go to Freedom Parkway over there. That's my that's my jam. I, I'm right. around there every single day. That's the whole point. You you put these drop boxes in areas where people go a lot. Because you want to make it easy and accessible for them so that they will, in fact, put their ballot in there and remember to vote. I mean, that that's what's so kind of crazy about this whole thing. So the GBI is basically saying, hey, we don't have enough. There ain't anything there. There's no there there. Wow. But but this is this is what's concerning to me is that the Georgia GOP has said that they have this evidence. They have evidence showing, you know, the tracking of these various voters. Even if they had that, my question is, how in the world did they get that legally? I mean, how how do how does the Georgia GOP have the private GPS information with respect to anyone's cell phone or anyone's movements? And so that's just where I'm I'm not drawing the lines here. How do they get that? And if you're attorney general, can you open an investigation on that? Oh, I probably would. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I love it. I love putting things forward to seeing what you would do. Yeah, it was really uh, troubling. And and it's like you say, there's no there there. That's why I love the story about the lieutenant governor in Texas had put a bounty on people who were, were basically had said trying to catch election fraud. And in, in Pennsylvania, a guy basically came forward and there was voter fraud in Pennsylvania. He reported it. And then with the Dallas Morning News, they went ahead and went to Dan Patrick, who said, oh, I'm going to pay anybody who spots voter fraud. And this was just somebody who tried to vote for Trump twice. This was so great on Rachel Maddow. You just have to hear a little bit of this. I was the one handing out uh, the ballots to the voters after they signed the the check-in book. And uh, yeah, gentlemen, one of the first voters that morning came in, uh, Ralph Thurman, and and um, he had first asked, um, he put his ID out and we and the one poll worker said, we don't need to see your ID because you voted here uh, for many years. And uh, he then uh, basically he said, well, couldn't I come back and vote for my son. And at that point, I started, I said, no, you couldn't do that. That's illegal. And he then responded by saying, well, how would you know? And I kind of just left it at that. And he went on his way and and voted. And then about an hour later, I'm in my same position. And um, I hear the last name Thurman. And I look up and lo and behold, it's the same guy wearing a hat and sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um just just i couldn't believe that he, that he was back after we just had like a legitimate conversation about how he could not do that so um so yeah that's how it happened and we reported it to the the authorities and um 
yeah, then the case kind of took off and went to court, testified as the as a witness. And then uh, a reporter from the, the Dallas Morning News, Lauren McGaughy, reached out on a whim. And she was the one who worked with me uh, on the original story and uh, helped me apply for the bounty. And here we are. When you ap applied for the bounty, did it ever occur to you that you would actually get paid the bounty money? I mean, I think all of us observing the sort of fighting between the lieutenant governor in your state, John Fetterman, um, and, and Dan Patrick, less fighting than Fetterman just trolling him on the subject. I think all assumed that Dan Patrick would never come through and pay any of this because it wasn't obviously for the purpose that he intended to offer this reward to sort of hype the idea of fraud as being something that was endangering the integrity of the whole election. Did you actually think that you would that you might get paid? No, I never thought in a million years that I would get paid. Um, I thought this was just somebody kind of speaking too much in the hopes that it would just get them more attention. Uh, I just think it's extremely ironic that they were, it's my opinion, that they were trying to, to see, um, you know, voter fraud uh, on someone that was a Democrat. And it turns out that, at least for me, from my case that I uh, witnessed, it was a Republican voter. So in fact, I think it kind of uh, blew up in their face a little bit. So this is like, I have yet to hear one example, Jen, of a Democratic group. The only groups I've heard with voter fraud since this has all begun has been uh, examples of Republicans. Yeah, it's it's interesting because obviously throughout the country, there are instances of people who aren't registered correctly or are, are, you know, are in the wrong place and maybe tried to cast a ballot. But none of it was that they were intentionally trying to to do anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but with respect to this one, you've got a guy who's admitting, you know, that he cast a ballot twice. Yeah, and he, he understood that he was doing and that. And they're like, hey, you can't do that. And he did it anyway. So we've seen a couple of examples of that are just like the dead people voting. Just like I think it was 11 Alive did that great story where they knocked on the person's door and they're like, and it was like the Mrs. Something something. Right. It was the records actually were wrong. Right. So it says like, you know, Joe Smith and they're like, well, Joe Smith's been dead forever. Why did Joe Smith get to vote? And then you knock on the door and it's actually Mrs. Joe Smith. What's going to happen, though, in 2022? Is is, is that no one going to accept the results of their election? I don't understand. It's just like this won't go away. It won't stop. And especially this Georgia stuff, these people won't seem to let it go. And it's 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 seeping into the elections where you've got the former president telling people not to vote until we get this settled. So w what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I think it's really dangerous across the board because it makes people distrust our institutions, our system, our elections. And it really lets sore losers kind of be able to come back and undermine the results. And that's just not how our system, that's not what it's built on. I mean, it's built on the fact that if you lose, there is a peaceful transition of power, no matter, you know, where you are presidential on down. But this talk of, of never kind of letting it go and, and that you were cheated out of something without a, a single shred of evidence, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how it's going to play out in 22. 
Well, man, it's creeping up. I mean, it's crazy. It's like we're creeping up to the end of the year. You know, we're talking Halloween before you know it. I mean, it's getting soon. You're going back into session soon. Yeah, we go uh, for the special redistricting session on November 3rd, which is the day after the municipal elections. So on a Wednesday, that's going to be not fun, I have to say. It's getting very heated with the mayor's race. I mean, I, I didn't hear back from you, but I did text you a screenshot of a text I got of, uh, it, I mean, it's getting really nasty. It was a picture of Kasim Reed in a prison outfit. Yeah, and it, it was, I mean, it's dirty. Yeah, it's dirty. I mean, and, and we've seen it mainly going back and forth. There have been attacks against Felicia. Right. And then attacks against Kasim. And so the question is, who who's doing it, right? Is it the various camps? Right. Are these outside forces? But even with respect to the former mayor's campaigning and campaign ads, I mean, he's he's gone pretty forcefully after Felicia, which would indicate to me that out of everybody else, he sees her Feels as the biggest, right. the biggest threat. Yeah, I mean, I get these texts, Jen, and I'm like, how did you get my number with this? Is like, Me too. Yes. And especially if I'm listening to a podcast and like, then I'll get, you have a text from, and I'm like, what is this? Speaking of podcasts, shout out to Dawn, your friend who listens to as many podcasts as I do. I'm suddenly now on a daily text chain with one of Jen best friend. <laughs> so I met from when- <laughs> South Georgia. <laughs> yes. It's like the South Georgia version of Mara. So yes, because there's never there's just too many great podcasts to listen to. Uh, I read another thing about Herschel Walker, you know, the the Gary Black had a great quote and I'm paraphrasing here. They're talking about Herschel Walker, how he's been a little you know, been a little wishy-washy, he goes only goes to safe media outlets and he's sort of, you know, Trumpy, but not a hundred percent. And Gary Black said, once the the media and the liberal left gets him, they're going to take him apart like a boiled peanut or something like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, it definitely um, it's a word picture, isn't it? Like you think about, well, what does that really mean? Yeah, look, Gary Black. For those of you who don't know, is is the guy who's the ag person for Georgia. And he isn't to be underestimated. I'll I'll have to say that. But you know, he does have a little bit of a of an uphill battle when it comes to Herschel. All right. Well, we wanted to do something fun for you today. So our guest is um, someone who he's probably gets a lot of love mail and a lot of hate mail, and uh, is always on the pulse of of what's happening. And we're going to see if we can give him some ideas. If you read the AJC, which so many of us do, or if you just have a sense of humor or you're interested in politics or pop culture or current events, then you're following Mike Lukovich, Pulitzer Prize winning cartoonist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It's always pushing the envelope. And he is here with us today. Mike, good to talk to you. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Thank you both of you for having me on today. This is uh, it's great to be with you. You know, Jen um, has been drawn by you. I know. And it was like uh-huh. it was like a nice version, too. So I've <laughs> oh, seen yes. no, I've I seen the nice yeah. I, I've seen the nice versions <laughs> of politicians and the not so nice. So I appreciate that you did a nice version for me. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah, it's hanging in her office. You know, I don't know if you knew uh, that. Yeah, in the Senate. I, 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 I didn't, but uh, yeah, I did something. I can't remember what the, what 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 it was for. Jen, you probably remember. Uh, but I drew a group of uh, uh, influential females, and uh, I drew them as very superheroes or something like that. So I think that's probably what the the drawing is. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Curious, what recently? What do you think is the, what's the piece that um, has got like prompted the most male or vitriol or really, really struck a chord with people? Oh, good or bad. Yeah. Usually when I get a lot of responses, people are pissed off. Uh, (laughs) And so I did a cartoon that that I really liked probably three weeks ago. And it was, uh, it was when the Supreme Court had, pretty much banned abortion in Texas, you know, after six weeks when most women don't even realize they're pregnant. And uh, so I did a cartoon with, this was as we were leaving Afghanistan and I, I did a, a scene of, a, of Afghanistan and I put two women in burqas in Afghanistan and, and, and one is saying to the other, uh, pray for Texas women. And so I thought they were showing solidarity with, with, you know, the, the, the lessening of, of reproductive rights in, in Texas. But then there were a lot of uh, negative comments from Muslim women, including one that my daughter sent me. She sent me one from uh, Representative Ilian Omar, a Democratic member of Congress from Minnesota. And she was, was unhappy with the drawing. So my, my editor was getting a lot of uh, uh, hearing about it and getting criticism for it. So he contacted it a uh, Muslim, someone that deals with this kind of thing, kind of like the uh, the uh, Jewish equivalent of the Anti-Defamation League. And so he talked to this person, and the person said, well, the reason why some Muslim women had problems with the, with the drawing is because not all Muslim women view the burqa as oppressive. Uh, some view it as just part of their, their religious belief. And so for me to kind of say that that women in burqas in in Afghanistan were oppressed like women in Texas, I think some people some didn't understand that. I hope am I making any sense here as I'm talking? Yeah, and I remember the um I'm I mean, look, I I saw it and it struck a chord with me because I mean you made your point, right? That yeah that with respect to the Supreme Court and what Texas was doing that as much as we in the United States try to say that we have all these freedoms and, you know, women, right. you know, are equal and all that, that really kind of where we were going in terms of Texas, that in other parts of the world that we perceive to be, you know, um, anti-woman in, in some ways, that, yeah. that they, that, right. that those women had more rights than some of the women in Texas. That's the kind of how, the takeaway that I had from it. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? It's it's uh, when when I do a cartoon, that's one of the things that can uh, cause the most comment or most negative comments is when people don't maybe get the cartoon, or maybe it was my fault. Maybe I should have been more sensitive to the fact that not all women view the burqa as oppressive, and so I just didn't. I really didn't realize that, and so it just. So there was a lot of comment on it, and then it just all kind of just disappeared, 
you know, the, all, all the negativity just went away after a day or so. But that's sort of how cartoons are. You know, you're, you're dealing with uh, symbols and uh, you have to be very careful not to use symbolism that's going to uh, 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 distract from the, from the point you're trying to make. And I think in that, in that particular cartoon, I think that the, the point I was making, it did get distracted from because of the, because of the symbolism that I used, but I didn't do it on purpose. I, I just didn't know. And in the future, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to make that same, same mistake. Yeah. I guess it's hard because when you're, when you're drawing a cartoon like that, I mean, you are using symbols, but symbols can yeah. mean many different things um, to people based on kind of their experience or who they are. Um, and so right. I can, I can see there being, it being a little tough sometimes. Oh, right. Right. And, you know, right now we're in such a, a polarized situation in this country. And, and we've also, and this country's also changed for the better in that we are much more uh, sensitive to, to other people or people that are different from us. So it, it's actually gotten, uh, uh, and, and I think it's good, but it's gotten a little bit harder for, for cartoonists to, to make points because, because the sensitivity level has, has gone up for, for the better. Uh, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying things have changed in, in a way. And it, it's sort of like if you watch like old, uh, episodes of friends, uh, you know, the, the, the sitcom, they say things in, in that, that, that we, that we wouldn't say to the, today that you'd kind of be shocked by uh, some of the references. And it's just because times have changed. And, and so, uh, uh, you have to, you have to be uh, sensitive to that. And it's also gotten my editors are, 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 I think, more involved than they used to be as far as uh, l- looking over my cartoons, which is fine with me because, you know, when I'm coming up with a cartoon, I'm thinking of it and I'm by myself and I'm looking at it and, and I'll come up with something and I'll think it's fine. But, but you know, I, you, I really need an editor to kind of look at it and say, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't use this symbolism. Uh, so it's, it's, it's good to have, uh, to have another pair of eyes looking at what I'm doing. Right. Because it's a pretty solitary thing. I mean, you're just like there and you're observing yeah. and you're doing things. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, if you write something to yourself and you're like, Oh, I'm funny today. And then someone looks <laughs> at it and it's, it's just, it's just not. Um, so do yeah. you, do you think that, you know, it's people are so sensitive. I mean, do you look back on some of the stuff that maybe you did ten years ago, and you're and are you are like, hey, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't do that today. Yeah, and and I, I hate to admit this, uh, but I I was looking at some of my, I, I'm doing a, a book on, I'm getting cartoons ready for a book uh, that's going to be sort of how the Republican Party has devolved from sort of a normal functioning, uh, competent party to becoming this kind of crazy right wing, uh, non-factual party that's flirting with authoritarianism and just, it's, it's really a scary time. So I was looking for old, old Republican cartoons going through my boxes. And I found this one that I did probably, I don't know, 20 years ago. I don't even remember what the 
what the what it was all about, but it was it was a a scene from Phil Donahue's show, and he was talking about something. I, I don't even. I'm sorry. I'm. I can't remember what. I, what. But I just remember I was struck by. I. I. I said something like a, a trans person as one of the weird guests that they had on, and and looking back at that now, I just. I. It embarrassed me because I would never. I would never, do that. I would never say that about a trans person now. Uh, and so I, I think that's a perfect example, but it's an embarrassing example because I, I, I look back on that and I think, God, I feel so stupid that I did that. I, I think it's actually fair. I mean, like I would listen, I could listen to my things I've said on the radio, you know, from uh, 10 yeah. years ago, 15 years ago. And I'd be horrified that I'd yeah. be saying, and I think it's like, look, as you know, it's, people were trans and it was nobody was talking about it it was just like you were an outcast so it so it is it is yeah. a, a, a thing you know it's it's funny um i forget which slide it was that you did and um it may have been on afghanistan and i saw because you know republicans notoriously don't like you um you know this this isn't breaking <laughs> news to you <laughs> yeah, no i know <laughs> but yeah. uh i think it was one and they're like when you've lost mike Lukovic. oh yeah yeah so is that a compliment so what was that thing when you uh when like the democratic party has lost me is that what, well, is that what that was about? yes yeah yes. i think it was a criticism of how biden handled the afghanistan issue and uh, I saw that too in yeah, terms of Republican yeah. commentary. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I gosh, I don't I can't remember what the cartoon was. And you know, I just uh and then that, you know, that was not uh, the Afghanistan withdrawal was not a was was very chaotic. And I still I still worry about people in Afghanistan that, you know, helped out the United States and are are trapped there. But you know, there's no getting out of a war in a in a in a clean way and and if you look back on that the fact that we were able to take out like over a hundred thousand people i mean that's just uh, a, a, an amazing accomplishment you know to be able to pull that many people out of a war zone uh it could have it could have gone better overall but uh, w wars are are and you have a country that's just been taken over by the taliban uh it was a chaotic situation and and uh in a very tough situation. And that's a tough situation. That's a situation where, you know, as president, you know, that's one of those decisions you have to make. And it's, it'd be, it'd be tough being a president. And I, 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 my hat's off to Joe Biden because I think he made the right decision. And, uh, but it, it was a tough one. In terms of your process, like, do you just wake up and have ideas? Do you, you know, how, how do you kind of go about, Figuring out, you know, crafting kind of because it is almost like a, a visual joke in some ways or, or satire. Yeah. So how do you what what's your process? Yeah, it's it's sort of a, a lengthy process. I never uh, I never come up with ideas or I rarely come up with ideas in the middle of the night. You know, I, I stop. I sort of go to bed. And, and uh, although uh, although during the. Um, when was it? The oh, Super Tuesday. So Super Tuesday, Joe Biden had, you know, he had won South Carolina uh, decisively, and it looked like he was he was uh, going to be the going to be the Democratic nominee. 
So I went to bed and then I got up around 3 a.m. And I started thinking about it a little bit and I came up with an idea. And that, as I was just saying, that rarely happens. So I thought, oh, this is so great. So then the next morning I got up early and drew it out as quickly as I could because I thought, you know, this is an idea that other people might come up with. And so I wanted to get it out. So what I did is I, I started thinking about, you know, Biden women, Biden winning a Super Tuesday and how he was probably going to go on to, you know, be the, the nominee and, and then hopefully beat Trump. So I started thinking about it. So I was thinking Biden and I was thinking Biden and that that goes with by dawn, like, you know, by dawn, B-Y-E-D-O-N, by Donald Trump. So I ended up doing like a, a, a bumper sticker that said by dawn and and it ran. And then and then the next day I, I began getting calls. So people wanted to make it into, you know, an actual bumper sticker and yard signs. So that was that was sort of a cool thing. Sometimes cool things happen when you do a cartoon that just takes on a life of its own. So it it, it, it became a, something that people were I saw it on people's cars uh, before the election. Uh, so so that I'm digressing a little bit. So you asked me what my process is. So normally it's not that. Normally I I, I wake up and uh, I'm in. I'm now I don't work at the paper anymore due to the pandemic. And then normally I start around noon. And uh, so I'm sort of relaxed at that point because I'm just I'm you know reading the AJC and and reading different websites online and and just kind of coming up with topics. <clears throat> and then as it gets later in the day, I start to get nervous because I'm. I'm getting close to my deadline. Pressure, yeah. So, yeah. So around, so that's really when I start to come up with things. It was around four o'clock because I have to have the cartoon in by like six o'clock. So I start getting, I, I start getting nervous and 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 you know stuff goes. Through, I start thinking of ideas, and so I'll come up with a couple of ideas. And so what I what I've been doing uh, lately, uh, now that I'm here and I don't have an editor right next to me. Uh, before I send it to my editor, sometimes I'll I'll put two or three ideas out on Twitter. I, I you know I have a Twitter account, and so I'll just say wh- which one should I draw, and I'll, I'll I'll put the two or three ideas out. And you know people on Twitter are so into the news that they'll they'll you know immediately say no do number one or do number three, and that really helps because because you know when I'm coming up with ideas, I lose objectivity as to which one is better than 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 the others. And so that's how I do it. And then, and then I'm really, I, it's really getting towards my deadline. So I don't pencil anything in. I just, I just ink right on the, uh, you know, right on the, uh, on my drawing paper. So I go through a lot of whiteout. I have whiteout all over my fingers, but that's, I draw very quickly. And then I, uh, and then I just, uh, put it into the system and, and then, uh, think, and then, and then don't worry about it until the next day. It's an amazing process. I've watched you draw stuff because you know we've known each other over the years and it's yeah it is amazing to, to watch you work and the vision that you have and how fast you can go i also find it amazing and jen and i noticed that with certain people that you draw you hone in on a certain body part on like a facial feature oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah whether it like do you think that adds to the impact of the satire by by choosing something that really stands out and it, you know put, yeah well you know you know, with, with uh, someone like Trump, I really like to, you know, I really like to get his uh, features correct. I want it to really look like him. But but then I will just like make his hands super tiny 
I'll make his tie, you know, touching the floor. And then I really make him orange. Uh, you know, he's got that orange, uh, that quality that I, I don't know what, they, you know, it's makeup or something. And, and then he, and then like under his eyes, it's lighter there. So I'll make them white. And then he's got that, you know, that fake yellow hair coming off the top of his head. And so he's just really, I really, and then he's weird looking. I mean, he's really, uh, you know, just as a person, he's got, you know, he's just, for me, and maybe because I don't like the guy, but I just find him so, oh, so damn unattractive. And well, so there's I, um, <laughs> the, the one that I laughed at and laughed and laughed and laughed was... And I did send it to Jen because it, it's, you know, they're all so great. But it was the one, you know, the oh, Stacey good. Abrams, him endorsing Stacey Abrams, the Stacey Abrams sign at the governor's mansion. Oh. But there's that little teeny tiny Brian Kemp right, looking window. out the window. <laughs> oh, you know, you saw that. Yeah, yes. that, I, you know, that was so small. I thought, how many people are going to see him? But I thought I got to put him in the background. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and, and you know, who knows what? As the midterms get closer, who knows uh, who Trump is going, what Republican Trump is going to screw up. Have people like reached out to you after you've parodied them uh, with a good sense of humor or, you know, obviously someone like Senator Jordan loves that because she's in a superhero costume, which she (laughs) deserves. But, you know, you didn't get any calls from from former Senator Kelly Leffler on some of the great work you did of her. You know, I, I never never heard from her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, most of the time, uh, most of the time, I don't hear from people. I, I used to, I used to get a lot of, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't do too many. I don't think I ever did a positive cartoon on Donald Rumsfeld, but I would get uh, emails from uh, various generals saying uh, Rumsfeld would love a copy of, of of this or that cartoon, and so I would send it to him, and I eventually ended up at the Pentagon and spent a, a day or two with him. But he was just one of these kind of guys that he just liked seeing himself, you know, in a cartoon. It didn't matter whether it was good or bad, whether it was positive or negative. He just liked seeing that. But, you know, most politicians, I, I think they take it as just part of the, part of the territory. Uh, Newt Gingrich would get pissed off he, uh, when I would do a cartoon. He, he, he told a columnist how much they uh, upset him. But but you know normally I don't hear I don't hear uh, from politicians uh, and I don't like to get I don't like to have a lot of uh, uh, with politicians I don't like I don't like to have a lot of uh, contact with them now I you know I I, I knew uh, 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 John Lewis for many years and he was a guy that I, although we weren't good friends whenever I would see him it was such a great thing because he would have this he would see me coming and he'd have a big smile on his face. And, you know, we just, we, we seem to get along well. I, there were various times uh, in the past 20 or 30 years where we'd be like at a dinner or something together. I remember sitting at, at a dinner with him and he, he told me this story about how, you know, as a kid, he would, he would, they had chickens and he would preach to the chickens in his, in his backyard, sort of, I think his father may have been a pastor or something. So we try to, you know, the, use the cadences of a pastor or a preacher on these chickens. So I ended up doing a drawing for him uh, uh, with him preaching to these chickens. And he, he really liked that. So I, I've done a number, I had done a number of uh, drawings for him over the years, but I, I really miss him because he was just, 
in addition to being this amazing human being, he was just, and, and, and you probably all both know him too. He was just such a, a kind, a humble, sweet person. And yeah. Well, Mike, uh, you're going to be kept very busy. A lot of news. There's no stopping for you. Like you're, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to ask you how long your contract is, but. <laughs> well, I don't really have a contract, but, but you know what? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I'm just going to keep drawing as long as I can. And, uh, uh, I, I still really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's, it's something of a vocation for me because I feel like, you know, I want to get my message out there. I want to show, you know, it's so people are so easily manipulated and, and I'm, I'm trying to show what, what I think is actually happening. And I feel a lot of, uh, passion for the job. And, uh, uh, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep, uh, you know, the only thing different now is that I'm now in my basement and I, and I, and I like that. Well, Hey, look at Joe Biden. He won president <laughs> right. From, right from the basement. <laughs> that, isn't that true? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he's, you know what, he's like, what, 78 or something like that. I mean, he's, he's still, he's still going strong. So, uh, well, as are, know, as are you, I mean, Mike, you're just such a, <laughs> it's such a, like an honor to know you. We're such big fans. Oh. And, um, well, thank you guys. That is so nice. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I pretty much suck at everything. Uh, you know, uh, my only talent and I'm glad I've got one is that I could, I can do these cartoons and I've, and I've, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I've, I've always drawn cartoons and I'm, I, I, I just, I, I feel just lucky to be able to do it. And, and, uh, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's just a, a, such a gift that I, that I, that I've been given and I'm just trying to do my best with it. Well, that was awesome. Talk to Mike Lukovich. I've, did I ask too many questions of him? I'm just such a big fan. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's always fascinating to me because he is so on target. I mean, and it it just kind of encapsulates in a way that I'm always like, man, he is really, really smart. Yeah. I mean, the, the stuff about the burkas, though, that was really interesting about how sometimes your your art or your craft can become a teachable moment. And then when you're in the moment, it's very hard to weigh all that options. And sometimes you don't want that to stunt your creativity. Um, because that's just what he thought. And then, you know, having the layers peeled back of that, that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of comics are dealing with that stand up comics, you know, what they used to could joke about or, or talk about is just not okay anymore. So I think a lot of folks are kind of dealing with that, but I think he's right. I think that is probably for the best. Oh my God. That Brian camp in the window was my favorite thing. <laughs> it's really it's it's really really good Ooh, there's a lot of action outside i don't know if you can hear that there's some action outside the ginger headquarters here uh well that was great mike luckovich you make sure you're following him on twitter it's m luckovich so i wanted to finish this out with talking about Sarah Blakely. Sarah Blakely sold a majority stake in her company for like $1.2 billion. That an Atlanta company, all female company, she she sold a stake to Blackstone, which is female run as well. Uh, I mean, what a great story. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
it's just fascinating how she just kept at it. I mean, you you remember her when nobody, you know, nobody was really interested in in what she was trying to do. And man, she just she was relentless. So and I love hearing her talk about how she did it. And where do you draw the line on highlighting your hair and makeup and all the things that we do that make us feel better and be able to wear the clothes that we want to wear? I mean, it started because I, I had cream pants hanging in my closet and everything showed under it. But it, this was a male business when you first Very started out. Very much so. Were you, I would imagine you were not taken seriously when you first started out. No. Which Walk is, into is, a meeting. Is yeah. it an advantage? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always say I think being a woman in business, uh, our weakness and strength is being underestimated. And so for me in the beginning, because nobody took me serious for quite a long time, I was able to start creating far better options. I mean, 21 years ago, I stood in a factory floor, no business experience, and said, I want to create this product for myself so I can wear these pants that hung hung in my closet unworn. Then I looked around the room. I was the only woman in the room. And I thought, the people who are making our undergarments aren't spending all day in them. And I want to be the one to speak up and say, we can make these far more comfortable. And so then I kind of started advocating for women through product. And that's how 21 years later, we're still trying to make things better for women. You know, here she is, the company's 21 years old, and it's like, this is like, I love how Atlanta influences everything. Um, not to show you how old I am, but she used to come to my radio show to talk about Spanx all the time. <laughs> you know, I would have her on as a guest. and uh, But I still have her number. I think she'd still take my call now. Would you take my call, Sarah? She probably would. <laughs> I mean, you know. It's incredible, though. I mean, it's incredible that you she would go do a business and then not even think about selling it. She was just like, no, I want something that I don't have a panty line. Um, And that's all run by men who are in the hosiery industry and everybody who's tried to copy that and they just can't do it. Well, it was brilliant because it was something that women had been doing for a long time where they would just take control top pantyhose and cut them off. Right. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. And so then when she actually, I mean, that's just it. The the most brilliant, you know, creations kind of come from really basic, just solid ideas. And it's like, oh, oh, man, she just took what everybody was doing and made it into a product that people really would buy. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing stuff. It's a really, really exciting story for her. All right. Uh, anything exciting happening for you? You're going, wait, so you're, you've got to hurry up and do this fundraising before you go back to the state house, right? Yeah. So we can't um, raise money during sessions. So special sessions going to take me out during November. And then of course, during January, February and March. So we're, we're pushing pretty hard. So, um, but you know, Fundraising is very interesting. Maybe we'll have a a debrief when all of this is done. Yeah, I want to hear more about that. So you go back, you go back to your office um, and, you know, wow, you're back to Senator Jen. Right. And it's, you know, we got all these fireworks around all these Republicans running against each other, people in the Senate. And, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how all of that, the primary politics um, is going to inform how people act. And what about, did they still ban the Coke products? You're going to have to report back on that. Oh, remember, come on. They never banned those products. <laughs> remember? Oh, they were going to boycott oh, baseball, the Major League Baseball, too. Right. Because Major right, League Baseball right. was so woke 
because the all-star game and I don't see anybody talking about that right now with the Braves. Oh, it's all performative <laughs> claptrap. You know what I'm saying? Well, everybody go for Jen, the number four GA.com. So wait a minute. You can't fundraise while you're in session, but, right. but anybody can give you money in between nope. that time. No. Oh, you can't accept any money. Nope. Can't accept money. Can't solicit money. Nothing like that. Wow. Yeah. That goes for everybody. Yeah. And and if you think about it, it makes sense because what you don't want is an elected official who is hearing a bill or going to vote on a bill. Because you got paid. Right. Like a pay to play kind of thing. Right? Yes. It's like, hey, Mr. Lobbyist, give me $10,000 and I'll vote the right way. So it's actually a really good public policy thing. It just kind of just makes fundraising when you're running, you know. Yeah, because those harder. lobbyists, I'll tell you what, I went to the Capitol one day to visit Jen and they're everywhere. I've never seen so many people so excited to see you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a Democrat. So imagine if you're a Republican. <laughs> All right, well, we will talk to you next time. So go to that website. You can go ahead and give Jen money now before, before it ends. We'll talk to you next time. 